Welcome to Easy Jazz Spotlight. In this episode, guest host Stefan Zakowski speaks with international recording artist and songwriter J.C. Soul, who says that music is therapy. The conversation focuses on the challenges of touring around the world, coming up with ideas for songs, and life as an independent artist. I have with me today J.C. Soul, international songwriter and recording artist, who also happens to be Canadian. Welcome, yep. J.C. Thank you for having me. I feel honored. It's a pleasure having you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we start right off the bat, just take a swing here. Let's start at the beginning. What got you hooked on music? Well, I was born into it. Um, my mother was a big band singer. There was always music in the house. And of course, back in those days, it was the greatest pop and jazz artist of all time as she was playing. Anything from Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett to Shirley Bassey, Lena Horne, Sarah Vaughan, all of the greats. So I was constantly exposed to music. Excuse me. Luckily, I got the the gene to be able to sing for my mother as well. So I was singing from a very young age. My first song apparently was at 18 months old. Uh, Tonight You Belong to Me. That was my very first song. Um, And then, you know, growing up as a teen during all of those wonderful decades of the 60s, 70s, 80s, I wasn't a teen anymore, but all those different decades of music, they were just amazing. And and it's what formed my eclectic taste in music today. And I think, and I never stopped saying this, how fortunate all of us were to grow up during that time. I mean, you think of the music now, and it's a little different. I don't know if this is just an old person talking, but I think that you know, we went through a lot of music, musical development during those decades. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when you put it all together, and I talked to you before about smooth jazz. Yes. To me, smooth jazz is just sort of a combination and a grown-up style of all of that music put together. And I think that's why it's so pleasing. It's more of a sophisticated sound. And I think that's why it's so pleasing to those of us who are of a certain vintage, let's say. I would say so. So you said that uh, you got your genes from your mother. Your mother was a singer as well. She was. And what what was she singing? She was. She well, she had a short stint because when she married my dad, that had to all end, of course. Mm. Uh, but she was with an orchestra called the Wally Mack Orchestra. She sang at Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh. And she cut a seventy-eight of "Put the Blame on Main Boy." A 78. Okay, that's dating her. Yeah, that's dating her. <laughs> but, um, you know, she was always singing as she was cooking or baking in the kitchen, always singing. And I'm up in my room singing and everyone's singing. And that was just a house full of music, which is fabulous. I feel, I feel blessed. I mean, when you're a kid, and I mentioned this to you before, you just think everybody does it. <laughs> you don't know that, you know, everybody doesn't do it or doesn't have that sort of gift that you have. And as you grow older, you kind of realize, yeah, I was lucky I got that gift. You know, because- uh, it's, I think I think everybody does do it. I think not everybody has the talent that you have and <laughs> your parents have at yeah. doing it that you'd want to listen to it as opposed to not want to <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun just to do it. Music is therapy. Singing is therapy. I agree. Uh, when was your first uh, professional gig? You want to tell us about it? Yeah, um, it's kind of a funny story. My first professional gig, I think it was when I was 19 years old, and we worked at a beer parlor in Peterborough, Ontario, where um, 
there was an exotic dancer that came on during our breaks, grabbed my microphone and belted out Stevie Wonders for once in your life. (laughs) And that added to her other talents was a real eye opener from a 19 year old from Burlington. I would I would have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> and and for you to continue on with music as opposed to going into another profession, potentially. <laughs> well, I did actually go into another profession after many years on the road. Um, I guess my real serious stab at it was when I was about 25 and I went out on the road with a couple of bands and we traveled and toured globally. We did all of Western Canada. We did uh, Las Vegas, wow. we did Europe, um, Switzerland, about six different cities in Switzerland, and an army base in Germany, the Canadian army base in Germany, in Lahr and Baden-Baden. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of traveling involved. Um, it's not always what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> because, you know, you're, you're traveling, you're in a different spot just about every week. Right. And some of the rooms aren't high quality. Um, so, and when you're in a different country, it's really mind blowing because your whole culture is sort of turned upside down. Right. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a grind. And, and at that time, this was back in the eighties, people weren't, they didn't have YouTube. We didn't have, you know, all of these resources that we have today to show off our talents and our music. You were just traveling from one gig to the other, doing cover songs, you know, some originals but just trying to entertain the crowds. And it, it, it became a grind after a while. Right. So, but the Las Vegas gig was fun because we were working uh, with a three girl front band called Angel Fever. And we wore amazing outfits and we had choreography and we did a lot of, you know, harmony, uh, harmonic songs, Pointer Sisters, Supremes, that kind of thing. So it was a lot of fun. But again, that was a grind too, because we worked till four in the morning as we alternated sets with another band. So it's long days and long nights. Um, So after that gig, I kind of took a break and I got into sort of a more normal lifestyle because that's kind of what you long for after all those years, Mm -hmm. you know, just being up at night and then all wired up at two in the morning with nowhere to go. Right. So um, I did that. I did the corporate thing for a while. But then when I retired about five or six years ago, I got seriously back into music and I'm very happy that I did because it's who I am. Right. Now, and that's when I started writing and recording with my producer, Louis Bartolomucci. Oh, okay. Okay. So your favorite venue during your your years of doing the traveling, what would you say was your favorite venue? Uh, the Fontainebleau in Miami. Oh, my goodness. Really? That Tell was, me about it. That was beautiful. Um, that was like you walked into a Hollywood movie. You know, the the lobby was humongous and it was all elegance. And the pool had like back in that time, swim up bars and the rooms were beautiful. And at the time, um, the fellow that I was was with in the band, he had a sailboat. We brought the sailboat and we went sailing in the ocean. And (laughs) I mean, it was just an amazing time. It it was beautiful. Um, I remember that we were there for three weeks. And at the time, Dick Clark had a conference going there as well. So it was all of this excitement and, and beauty. And it was like, wow, if this could happen every gig, I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the other places we had to play, not even <laughs> close to that. So as I said, it's, you know, one week you're up and one week you're down, you know. Right. And what about your favorite performance? What, what would you say was your favorite performance that you've ever done? Uh, my favorite, I would think, would be in Three Rivers, Quebec. Okay. Um, 
I sang a couple of Jeanette Renault songs. I sang actually a Dan Hill song, Sometimes When We Touch, phonetically. Yeah. Um, so I learned it phonetically, uh, and that was the Jeanette Renault version. And the club owner was so thrilled that he came up and gave me a dozen roses. And, you know, and everybody was just so happy with it. And I was kind of proud that I did something in French. And it came off really well. That was my favorite. Wow. Okay. Um, so what about your experience with uh, your fans? Like, I mean, obviously you had a fan there who brought you roses, but uh, how do you react to your fans and how do your friends, fans react to your music? Um, I think most of my fans are people that I've met online because when you're an indie artist, you have to promote yourself. Right. Right. So I don't have a publisher and I don't have management. It's just me out there. So it's most of the people, a lot of friends that I've known for many years, some friends from high school, family, but there's a lot of people that I have met online in the last few years. Um, I've reached out to a lot of different uh, smooth jazz curators globally. Um, there's there's a, an app called Mixcloud and there's another one called TuneIn. And these people all have their own little radio shows and they have a following. So I've been reaching out to all of these people and they're playing my music and it's really a thrill. And they become fans. And then people that they're, you know, playing the music for become fans. So it's kind of like a snowball effect. It's really, it's really nice. Once in a while, I will have a fan send me an email saying how much they like my song. And it blows me away when that happens. Nice. Like in nice. total awe. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so it's, really, it's really a nice thing. It really is. It makes me feel like I've accomplished something. Nice. And during your performances, when you were doing the world tours, uh, how were fans interacting then? It was a little different because, I mean, when we were out West, you know, everyone's Canadian, everyone's speaking English, and of course they love you. Um, but when you're in a place like Europe and you don't speak their language, you're kind of like, oh, who are these people? Where do they come from? And, and am I going to like this? We were we did well in certain places and not so well in other places. Mm -hmm. But it was always a blast because it was so different. Right. And, uh, we did meet some really nice people that, you know, they show you around and they show you the lay of the land and they're very kind to you. The one place that we played in Switzerland was Zermatt was just absolutely incredible. I don't know if you're familiar with Zermatt. Yes. It's like a little tiny village right beside the Matterhorn. Yeah. And that's where I've, I skied for the first time and the last time. <laughs> I don't know if you'd call it skiing, really. It was mostly snow plowing and falling a lot. That's but... usually skiing for most people, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was breathtaking because it would take a cable car, and then another ski lift, and then another ski lift just to get to the top. Right. At one point, I was skiing in a cloud. <laughs> there was little sparkles all around me. I thought, am I dead? <laughs> no, it's a cloud. So that was an amazing experience. It was, it was a wonderful time there. When we stayed there, um, we ate with a bunch of American kids that were working in the hotel. So every night for dinner, we'd all meet and, and chat, and we got to know all of them, too. It was a lot of fun. Nice. So now we're going to get to your creative process, because I know we had conversations about that uh, previously. So walk me through your creative process, and if you miss one of the details that I want to hear, um, I'm going to pointedly ask you about it. So Okay. So you and I had discussed this, and strangely enough, the bathroom is a place of great inspiration. I don't know what it is. Um, 
something about showering and brushing your teeth that just sort of sends you into a mind numbing place where all of these creative ideas sort of appear. And I'm constantly like running out to the kitchen with a towel around my head, saying to my husband, lyric, lyric, don't talk, don't speak. And he just stays out of the way. And I'm, you know, jotting down lyrics or I'm recording some, some song or tune in my head um, on my, on my phone. So that's how I begin. And then it develops from there. Once I've got something that I think is, you know, I've got a full verse, chorus and bridge. I come down to my little work area here. And when I was, teenager I luckily I took some conservatory piano lessons so I didn't become a virtuoso or anything but I learned enough to be able to compose music which was I'm so grateful for so I sort of bang out the chords to the melody that that I have in my head and then I come up with a bass line and then I've got some software on my computer that allows me to, to record so I record that and then I send it off to my producer I say let's work with this Right. So then I go to his place. He's got a great home studio and we work with it from there. He bangs it out on the piano, gives me the, the correct chord progressions. We talk about, you know, how how much we want to proceed with this. Do we want to spend do I want to spend a lot of time and money on this or is this just going to be in the demo form? You know, what's the groove going to be? How am I going to market it? We start there and then it kind of it kind of organically happens. Um. So I know a lot of artists say that I'm always improving my craft. And I know we've talked about the fact that you're always at the at the point looking forward. But I have to ask if you have anything from your past, any secret love of something that you did earlier that you feel this was really good at the time. It really showcases what I could do then. And it's kind of a favorite of mine, even though I'm still in the desiring mode of moving forward and, and progressing with my with my career, with my capabilities. So do you yeah. have one of those? Do you have a secret love? Um, I think that and you're talking about musically. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> When I used to love to sing old jazz standards, even when I was a teenager, because again, I was exposed to it. And it's a really beautifully melodic way to express yourself. When you're singing in a band, it's different. Everything's loud. <laughs> you're competing with instruments. You're not able to um, be as precise and, you know, and, and beautiful with your voice as you, as you want to be when you're recording or when right. you're just singing with a piano. That's, that's what I really would love to do. Just sit back and sing with a, a pianist and just relax and not have to compete with anything. At the same time, I do like singing with a band because there's all kinds of energy. But yeah, I, I, that's one thing that I did do at one point that I'd really love to do again. Okay. Yeah. And so that leads to collaboration. So tell me about one of your favorite collaborations. And then if you want to go further, talk about what you would like to do as a collaboration, anybody living, or if you want to go and do an imaginary collaboration, somebody who's no longer with us that you would have loved to have done a collaboration piece with. Um, I guess my favorite collaboration would be with my producer, Lou. Um, he's an amazing musician. He gets what I'm trying to do, which is really important when you have a producer, because it doesn't always work out that way. Mm. So this song, uh, Our Groove, which is my very first original song that I wrote. I had done some cover songs before that, but this is my very first original. That's my favorite collaboration because, you know, it starts off, as we said, in the bathroom, humming a tune, and then it ends up as this beautiful thing. 
And you just look back and you say, wow, we really did this. We, I mean, without Lou, none of it would be possible. So it's more than collaboration. It's, it's a partnership, you know. Now moving forward, oh my gosh, I'd love to collaborate with so many people. Um, there's, there's a couple of smooth jazz artists that I'm sort of in contact with. I don't want to name them right at this point because I don't know if they want me to, that I'd love to collaborate with. But I've got people that I've gotten to know sending me videos of their playing from Germany and from, you know, different countries. Say, Listen to this. Do you like this? Use me maybe in your next recording. Because everything is done remotely now. Right. right? You can record with people all over the world. So, you know, if I, in my dreams, if I'd like to collaborate with someone, it's hard to pick. It would probably be Quincy Jones. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and why, why, what, what, what's Quincy to you Quincy's in terms of music? Quincy, Quincy's everything. He's, you know, my favorite music is R&B and soul. And Quincy just always captures the essence of that perfectly. He's, you know, he's been around forever. He's amazing. He's evolved with all of the music. He hasn't, you know, left himself behind. And some of the artists that he's, you know, produced and sort of discovered are just my favorites. Even just to meet him would be cool. Don't even have to collaborate. <laughs> yeah, the collaboration is is the dream. So, yes. And I, I, I'm on the phone right now talking to Quincy. I just want to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Here's JC. Hold on. No. We're like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, in your music, um, the stuff that you have written, and even the stuff that you're doing covers of, um, do you find you have any? Do you or do you put any? hidden meanings or personal meanings in, in the songs that you, that you perform? I think that I end up doing that. It isn't always intentional, but I think that you are drawn to that, something that you're attracted to, something that you feel, especially as an artist. Um, I've, I've had some people that wanted me to write lyrics, for instance, for a certain kind of tune. And if, if I don't feel it, it's hard for me to write the lyric. Right. Um, so I guess whenever I do a song, I do mainly love songs, right? Um, but I do. I, I, I go back to my past and what's ever inside there um, for all of these decades and all of the, the lost loves and the happy loves and all of that stuff. And you draw from that. And again, you don't do it intentionally, but after it's all done, you say, hey, you know what? I can relate to that, my own song, but you also want, you also want others to relate to it too. That's really important. Right. Right. Have you ever had a fan approach you, uh, somebody that's listened to one of your performances or somebody online that's listened to one of your pieces and written to you and said that really, really touched me that, that you, you spoke to something in me that I didn't think anybody knew. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's again, what blows me away because that's my, that's my mission. Fantastic. Have you ever experienced anxiety, stage fright? Uh, do you do you ever? And how do you deal with it if you do? Who hasn't? I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't be honest, especially as a vocalist. When you're like when you're with a band, it's easier because it's like, OK, we're going to either do well or we're going to screw up here. But we're a group. Right. Um, but when you're the lead singer and you're you're fronting, it's always a little, you know, it's a little mind boggling. Now, the more you do it 
the easier it is because it just becomes part of what you do. But I think the pandemic sort of put the kibosh on all of that. Um, now, of course, it's getting back to where it is. So people are performing more often. But uh, yeah, of course. But what I do is I just make sure I'm prepared. And I make sure that I'm rehearsed and make sure that, you know, my vocal, my vocal warmups and all of that have been done because, you know, what you want to be able to do when you get there is just sing the song, song and be emotional about it, emote, make people feel it. So that's the most important thing. They don't necessarily care, you know, if you're, if you have one little off key note, they don't care about that because they don't really hear it. They want to feel it from you. They want a dynamic performance. Fantastic. So you've never you've you've experienced where you've missed a word where you were singing and you missed a lyric and just continued on. You sort of pressed by it. I'm really lucky. I always remember lyrics or something. I don't remember anything else in my life but lyrics. <laughs> I remember. I'm lucky with that. Yeah. I think with with me, it's it's more like the quality of my voice that I'm always trying to perfect, and I want people because you know it's just a, a vain a vanity thing, right? You want it to be perfect. And again, people don't really notice, but I'm, I'm really good with lyrics for some reason. Now that I told you that, I'm going to forget everything. <laughs> well, you'll practice. And that leads me to the next question about, do you sing to yourself? Do you sing in the car? Do you sing in the grocery store? Do you sing in the shower? Do you have people that walk up and start singing harmonies with you? Has, how do you do you, or do you keep everything quiet and you find a nice, quiet, high, hidden place? And that's where you do your practice singing. You're singing to the lyrics that you're trying to remember. Um, Yes, 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 and yes. No. <laughs> I sing everywhere. If, like, lately there's this really cool music at Chopper's Drug Mart. I just like to go there to listen to the music. <laughs> and I don't mind breaking out some of my best moves if I'm there in the aisle and, and I like it a lot. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I will sing. I will sing anywhere. People haven't run up to me and started harmonizing. I'm waiting for that to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I love to sing. I mean, it's part of who I am. I'll sing anywhere. I sing at home. I sing in the car. You know, as you said, if there's music, I'll sing. Fantastic. Um, so looking back over your career, over your life, if there were a possibility of doing this, what is probably the most important thing you'd like to tell your younger self? My younger self, I would say, keep your eye on the prize. Don't let somebody else sway you from believing in who you are. Bet on yourself and stay with it. You know? That's good advice. That is definitely that's, good advice. Even now for anybody, that's, that's definitely anybody. good advice. Because you can be drawn off in all these different directions, especially when you're young, because you don't have the wisdom yet. But right. just always make sure you line yourself up or align yourself with people who are good, who are professional, and who believe in you. That's what I'd say. And then what would you say was the best advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you? Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, I think the same thing. I think that when I was traveling in the 80s and we were just kind of mindlessly playing, doing gigs and nothing was coming of it, I ran into somebody who said, you know what? Maybe you haven't aligned yourself with the right people. You know, maybe you should look further. Maybe you should give, you know, your talent a little more credit than you do and not just go with the flow. So I kind of, I kind of took that advice and that's when I kind of stopped and regrouped. Um, but, you know, it, it's a tough business. 
It's not easy. It's very competitive and you have to really have a lot of self-confidence. Sometimes that takes decades to, to ingrain in yourself. I'm good. I'm enough. You know, um, nobody should be able to interfere with who I think I am. And I nice. think that's really, really important. I agree with you. Um, and if JC Soul had not become a musician, what would you be doing right now? I would be, if I wasn't allergic to everything on the planet, <laughs> I would be living in a far, on a farm with all kinds of animals and creatures around me. That would be heaven. So you would become a small farmer. What do they call that? A, uh, 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 I can't think of the term. Just a really gentleman, a gentleman farmer, only you're a gentle lady farmer. So, yeah, I wouldn't really want to do farming. I just want to take care of the animals. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, goats, pigs, chickens, just have them all to be my friends because I sometimes I trust animals way much more than I trust humans. <laughs> I get that. I completely no. agree on some occasions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you don't have to do much and a dog will love you no matter what, but exactly. uh, you definitely have to do a lot to get people to continue to love you, meet you at the door with their tail wagging. <laughs> <laughs> I know that would be, that would be a bizarre scene. <laughs> I have to agree. Yeah. So what's next? What's next for JC Soul? Well, um, I'm in the process of laying down my vocals for a brand new song that I've written. I'm going to be doing that on Tuesday. We're going to begin the process. So I wanted to release it right away, but I can't because it'll get all lost in the Christmas shuffle. So right. I'm going to wait till January, but it's, um, it's got a great horn section. It's like a sort of a, an R&B jazzy poppy tune that everyone will be able to dance to and move to uh, the horn section is just filled with amazing players i've got michael massaro on sax um, and i've got tony carlucci on trumpet and flugelhorn and i've got uh, william karn on trombone and then for the bottom uh, providing us with the pocket um, i've got fantabulous fantastic team i've got kelvin beal and oh steve 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 he's going to kill me um but again my producer lou bartolomucci he's the one that makes it all possible he provides keyboards and he provides guitar and then he's the one that contacts all of these fine musicians for me um and he he does it all remotely he we do the, the demo he sends it out they all get into the, the groove. They all sort of do their own little piece at home. And then, I mean, this is a lot of work. He, they have to send all of their pieces and he has to put it all together. So it's all sort of in the pocket together. Steve Heathcote, that's the drummer. And, uh, you know, it's an amazing, it'll be an amazing song. I'm so excited about it. Um, I'm hoping that that people like it and that some of the radio stations will pick it up. I think they will. We have a great uh, resource here in Canada. Mary Kirk uh, runs 94.7 Smooth Jazz. And so she plays my music. And, you know, there's some other, you know, as I said, the ones in, in Britain, the ones in Italy, the ones in Ireland, all those little uh, podcasts. I'm hoping that they pick it up too. I hope so too, because having listened to a number of your pieces, 
pre-interview. Uh, I find your music really, really good, and I definitely want to hear the next uh, the next piece drop. Uh, my last question for you, and this is the one that you kind of turn your head away and go, I'm not answering anything like that. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a rosebud? So what I mean by that is, you know, the Citizen Kane is the last thing that's said, and it actually is something that it's a defining moment or thing in your life that made you who you are today. Do you have a rosebud? I don't know if I have a defining moment, but my rosebud is life, coping with life. I think over the years, one thing that I've really learned to do is roll with the punches um, I've learned humility. Um, I've learned acceptance. Um, e evolving with the times, evolving with, especially musical, evolving musically, and just sort of loving myself, which isn't always easy for people to do. Mm. Accepting myself. That would be my rosebud. There, I don't know if there was a moment that I discovered that, but it evolved organically over time. And, you know, I feel lucky because it doesn't happen for a lot of people, you know? Um, so I think that would be my answer to that hard question. Okay. All <laughs> right. So now we're going to listen to your very first written piece, um, probably one of your favorites. Here it is, Our Groove.
Absolute pleasure, JC. And I'm looking forward to your new single dropping in the new year. Good luck with that. Uh, and I hope it turns out fabulous for you. Thank you, Stefan. And you, thank you so much for your beautiful station. Oh. I've been listening to it and it's absolutely, it's uniquely comforting and gorgeous. And is it is it Corey Galbraith that yes. came up with that concept? I'd yes. like to thank him very, very much. It's something that we've sorely needed in Canada and the world. So thank you. Thank you very much. And more Chet Baker, please. <laughs> I'll let him know. I think he's listening in the background here. This has been an episode of Easy Jazz Spotlight, produced by your soft jazz radio station, Easy Jazz FM. <laughs>